You're listening to Chicago Writes, a podcast of the Chicago Writers Association. events from our upcoming CWA calendar. CWA presents a live interview featuring Chicago icon Rick Kogan, hosted by CWA board member Sandy Colbert, Friday, June 17, 2022 at 1 p.m. at Columbia College's Ferguson Hall, 600 South Michigan in Chicago. Chicago Journalism Hall of Fame inductee Rick Kogan talks about writing for the Chicago Tribune, his WGN radio program, After Hours with Rick Kogan. Kogan is also the author of eight books about Chicago. This event is free and open to the public, but you must register to attend. Visit chicagorights.org and follow the link to the events page to register. Masks are required to attend this event. Wright City Magazine is currently open for submissions. For submission guidelines, visit chicagorights.org. For past issues of Wright City Magazine, visit our archives at chicagorights.org slash Magazine slash archives. The results are in for this year's highly competitive CWA First Chapter Contest. Members of CWA's Board of Directors selected the prize winners, which will be published in CWA's e-zine Wright City Magazine. Entries were based on merits that should be found in a first chapter, including good opening hook, strong characterizations, compelling voice, conflict, dialogue, and no grammar or mechanical errors. Congratulations to Cheryl L. Reed for capturing first place for her opening chapter from Map of My Escape. Cheryl has been awarded a full scholarship to attend either the all-genre novel-in-progress book camp and writing retreat on June 12th through the 18th, 2022, or the speculative fiction novel-in-progress book camp date to be scheduled at the Cedar Valley Center and Spa, 35 miles northwest of Milwaukee, near West Bend, Wisconsin, valued at $1,385. Second place congratulations goes to Mary Dean Kaysen for Banished Daughters of Eve. Mary has received a cash award of $150. Third place congratulations goes to Karen Brenner for the opening chapter of Trinity River Trilogy. Karen has received a cash award of $75, which she has generously donated to CWA. Honorable mentions go to Fatal and Valuable by Cynthia Todd Quam, Confirmation Bias by Bruce Davis, American Mai by Joyce Burns Zeiss, and Lasting Season by Patricia Ann McNair. Congratulations to all of our winners. You'll be able to read the top three winning chapters in upcoming editions of CWA's Wright City Magazine. And thanks to all those who entered. Chimpanzees have their own language. This one's for the gold, and scientists just learn 
how they put their words together. The discovery of a chimp group's 390 word language has profound implications for the evolution of human speech. This by Matthew Rosa, published May 22nd, 2022. A group of 46 chimpanzees at Thai National Park in the African country of Cote d'Ivoire are capable of complex vocalizations far beyond what more pessimistic scientists thought was possible. Their words were not like human phonetic words, but a combination of chimpanzee sounds, which generally sound a bit like grunts or chirps to human ears, which opens up all manners of scenarios for storytelling, like pet night, perhaps? While it isn't likely that Ann Beal and Judy Goshen, publishers of Chicago Story Press, will entertain audiences by having your pets dish the dirt on you anytime soon, Maybe you have always wanted to tell a highlight, memory, lesson, or vignette from your life that is before your cat does. Their latest book is a collection of stories expanding upon concepts of love titled Storytellers, True Stories of Love. ChicagoStoryPress.com is the website. Welcome to Chicago Writes the Podcast. How are you? We're good. We're good. Thanks for uh, including us in your podcast. Uh, it, it, it's it's imperative. This is this is really really important, very near and, and dear to my heart, especially. And I, I know a lot of uh, a lot of our viewers as well. So I, I have to ask you this: a, a crime fighting comic and a PhD. <laughs> and you wouldn't believe it works so well. It does. <laughs> my favorite part of being uh, involved with Chicago Story Press is definitely Judy. Yes, definitely, Anne. How did you guys meet? Good question. We actually met in a storytelling group called Friends with Words. Okay. And uh, I actually walked into the very first meeting of Friends with Words, and they were looking at a Chicago Med episode, and there was Judy on the screen as a doctor. And I thought, am I in the wrong group here? I'm not a doctor. I just play one on two. <laughs> there you go. Well, I was gonna I was gonna ask this this question first about uh, that led you to come up with storytelling press. But um, let, me, let me start with this. Who is uh, Tom Wolferman and what did he mean for storytellers and Chicago Story Press? Tom Wolferman was a very dear friend, a very, very gifted writer. He actually uh-huh. made a living as a as a writer. He wrote a lot of articles. And um, he, we called him the reluctant storyteller because right. Joe Howe um, said, your, your stories are so great. I need you to tell a story for us. And he always went first. So he'd get out of the way, but he was so good that following him was, was not very fun. And unfortunately we lost him a few years ago mm-hmm. as he was finally starting to put all of his stories together to publish and um, it never got published. And Anne and I were thinking how many wonderful stories there are out there that don't ever get published. Anne, you wanna take over? Yeah, so Tom was somebody who died before he had that opportunity and it really spurred Judy and I to start Chicago Story Press um, because we felt there were so many voices and so many stories that we wanted to last forever. That's a, that's a, that's a wonderful story. Uh, let me, let me start here we're we're going to get into uh storytelling and mechanics of storytelling uh which you guys uh know so well in in a bit 
first, Anne, I have to ask about your advocacy of uh, of feral cats as uh, as community cats. I, and and I, I'll preface that by saying we had we had a, a cat that we adopted from the street, a black cat named Q. He was with us for about five years. He he made a bad error in judgment, was run over by a car. He died in our arms. Which, which I guess I, I take a little bit of blessing from, but we had, and this is in the city, separated by, by metro tracks, we had people from blocks and blocks and blocks that had heard about him that brought us pies and cakes and well wishes and cards because he had he'd cleared out every rat for better part of a six six block here I, I got that from your from your blog and you also published a book about it i did actually uh, i i uh published a book several years ago called community cats a journey into the world of feral cats mm -hmm. uh, it is it is one of the books of mine that sells just uh it, it continues to sell long after it was published and it has a following uh, and it's my story about my uh adopting three uh, feral cats uh, one of them is actually still with me today. She lives inside with me um, and she has a, a good life. But it was uh, my story of essentially dealing with a rat problem in Lakeview, Chicago. Yeah. And then it really brought our community together as well. And we had people coming by and checking on them. And we had people, uh, you know, when there was some kind of flooding, they came down to make sure that their, ho their houses were okay. And it was an amazing experience. And then I ended up interviewing a lot of um, feral cat caretakers uh, and included their stories, which are quite sweet as well. So yes, it's a huge passion of mine. Uh, and it's, um, I guess I am a crazy cat lady at the end of the day. <laughs> that, I, I thought that was very important, but I, you know, I use that to jump into this. I got all that off of your website, uh, annbeal.com, um, which we'll post in the, in the links. This isn't so much about cats as it is important for writers to connect with their audience. You were also the CEO of Beal Research, uh, a boutique uh, full-service research partner and consultancy. Sorry, I got that wrong. People can follow the talking points on your page with a little bit of effort and correct or build their own market and brand strategy. And, and I'll just go through a couple of them here. Uh, brand assessment uh, and ongoing brand health, functional emotional drivers and barriers, which uh, all, all of these I think are important to authors and often overlooked. We've, we've talked about branding on the, on the podcast before, shopping uh, insights, logo and positioning uh, screening, market sizing, segment identification. All of these are, are, are really very important. You, you say that we know that consumers often feel rather than think their way through the marketplace, but as writers and artists, uh, that tends to be reversed. It's the writer who often feels rather than thinks their way through the marketplace. Would you agree with that? Yes, I do. And um, one of my favorite writing friends told me if there's no tears on the reader, if there's no tears on the writer, there's no tears on the reader, but it's really important yeah. to have tears on the reader. Um, and Judy and I have really taken that very much to heart because of my background in marketing and, and our belief that really what people want to do when they open a book is they want to feel something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that that's a journey that we try and take them on with our books. And they also want to see themselves. Mm -hmm. 
you know, they want something they can relate to. So let, let's talk about the social component with, uh, with storytelling. The poet and essayist Reynolds Price famously observed this. He's, and I'll quote him here, a need to tell and hear stories is essential to the species Homo sapiens, second in necessity, apparently after nourishment and before love and shelter. I'd love the both of you to, to build on that. Let's start with Judy here. There's, I mean, there's a great quote, tell your story um, by Anne Lamont. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, people, you know, that's how civil, most civilizations were formed. You, you told stories and there was like usually an elder who taught the children. Mm-hmm. And long before I knew about storytellers, I was drawn to the storyteller. It's about, you know, a foot high and I bought it. <laughs> it's an American Indian native with all these children at her feet. And then later I became a storyteller and I thought, oh yeah, people need to tell their story. It, 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 it's in families, it's in communities, it's in our history. It's, we're just, everything is a story. It, it binds communities. I, I, I know I've, I've studied it a little bit and, and looked at uh, an ancient and indigenous societies in which, in which fishing nets were, were, commun- uh, were made communally um, or, or, or pounding um, grain into, into flour. These long, arduous, intensive tasks that were and that are still uh, by a lot of traditional societies done through storytelling, call and response, um, a way of offsetting uh, the arduous nature of these tasks. And I'd love your thoughts. Well, um, I like to say that stories are the roadmaps that we use to navigate our lives. And I think that we look to stories for inspiration. We look to stories to learn how to deal with different problems Mm -hmm. um, and that we really consult stories to define, you know, who we are, who we aren't uh, and the groups we identify with. Um, And that's part of the reason why I analyze fairy tales is because they have so much within them that are so important and and that are um, transmit very many hidden messages, I think, to people And, and yeah, stories are something we all are hardwired to listen to um, because we're trying to figure out our lives and stories help us do that. It's, it's, it's kind of everywhere. It's at the water cooler. It's, in, it's on the news and politics. And uh, Christianity began as word of mouth stories passed from one person to another. Advertising, PR, we learn through storytelling. It's, uh, it's ubiquitous in the society. Yeah, we are persuaded, actually, more by stories than by anything. You talk about that in, in your business, don't you? We do. We try and encourage. Um, in the work that we do, we do it for pretty major companies. We help major brands mm-hmm. navigate that. But one of the things that we do talk to them about is what is the story that you want to tell? Mm. And storytelling is one of the things that we try to do with our data as we try and tell a story. It's hard to follow in. She always will give you the most intellectual and precise answer. So. Well, then I've, I've got a question for you. Why should writers also be good at verbal storytelling or, or do they need to be? They, they don't need to be. There's several different kinds of storytelling. One is, um, you know, storytelling where you, you just go off the cuff and mm-hmm. you're very animated and you tell a story and but there's 
other another form called live lit where you have writers just come and read it it feels like a chapter and mm -hmm. it's just beautiful prose so and there's everything in between so you don't have to be good it's um tom wolverman was you know not known for his storytelling but he was known for writing phenomenal stories right and i think that's the thing um so there's a performance part of storytelling that right. Judy's referring to, which, um, you know, we obviously do a fair bit of that. And we have encouraged those um, performers to submit to our books and to make those stories um, into volumes. But there's also the stories, which I think, you know, whether it, you, you can have a great performer and not a great story, you can have a great story and not be a great performer. Um, and we have really tried to focus on getting the story to the point where it, it doesn't matter if it's performed or not. It's just an incredibly good story. Can anybody be a uh, a storyteller? I think everyone actually is a storyteller. It's okay. a question of how much you engage in it. Okay. Yes. Can anyone be a uh, be an effective storyteller in front of an audience? Probably uh, not. My cat, for example, <laughs> not a great story. But that's fair. We're we're trying to we're trying to <laughs> to feel that out a little bit. Yeah, you know. but I, I think you know it's um, there's a performance piece of it that's important, um, and sometimes it's over or underdone. Uh, mm -hmm. The story itself, though, should land in a place where it doesn't matter. The story itself should have um, tremendous power. Are there common elements or common mechanics? Mm -hmm to to effective storytelling yes most definitely i'll, I'll throw out a couple here uh um metaphor irony sarcasm allusions i mean honestly i think the best stories set up some type of a goal or a conflict or something that has to be resolved okay okay and so you know whether it's randy richards in the story in this volume about his yeah. parents getting divorced and how yeah. does he navigate that you know or someone who is trying to find their true love you know whatever it is it's, there's a central problem or conflict or issue that has to have some level of resolution. I think great stories set those up right mm -hmm. up front mm -hmm. and then they resolve them effectively in, in ways you may not expect, but they, that's, that, that to me is the essence of a great story. What inspired the book? It, it, seems, it seems so fundamental. It seems, it, it, it seems like a no brainer that somebody should have already have done that. But but you have a you have a little bit different take on love. It's it's not just just a story of romantic love. Describe the book a little well, bit. Well, Anne, um, our first book was miscellaneous stories. You can mm -hmm, submit mm -hmm. any story, and then Anne said, "Let's be specific and let's write about love and let's write about romantic love," which kind of coincided with her getting engaged. <laughs> and for those of us who are not in a relationship, I said, "I think it should be about." All kinds of love, so it appeals to everybody. I have a uh, I have a very very dear friend who's who's a Methodist minister, which is very strange uh, for for someone who's a complete agnostic. We have great we have great conversations, even better arguments. And and, and this also goes back to to Anne's um, subject or or, uh, or work with um, with feral cats is I we we teach our our animals concepts of love by equating the word or the sound with something pleasurable 
either a treat or as we're petting them or so so they don't have a human concept of love but they have they have a pleasure or or a nurturing concept of of love and i, I think I, I some of the stories that i heard from from the book i thought you guys were were beginning a really broader de definition, a necessary definition of, of a fuller concept of love. Yeah, absolutely. We were looking for um, stories in which love played a, a prominent role. It was a character almost, or mm -hmm. stories in which people were changed by love. Their lives were altered. They were uh, changed. And so we were really looking to understand um, the ways in which kind of love flows through our lives and, and in some way changes us and makes us better or stronger or um, alters us, but you know that, that it has a profound influence was really the idea that Judy and I were working with. It seems, Judy, it seems like you guys uh, could have come up with, uh, with a massive, <laughs> a, a, a huge book on, on love uh, with just stories of love. Um, how did you decide on those specific love stories? And then were you beginning to get a, a deeper definition of love? And is there, uh, is there more to come from Chicago Story Press on? Funny you should ask. We are right now accepting submissions for our next book, which is going to be called True Stories About Love, Volume 2. Nice. because it really struck a chord with so many people and mm -hmm. you asked how did we decide we we just took the strongest stories okay um because you know sometimes people will send you things that are anecdotes but uh -huh. as ann described in you know stories that they didn't they weren't a full story yeah. you know you yeah. need you need where something you know a little setup something happens and then what happened after that so it was pretty easy to choose the stories and we had so many wonderful stories and we're very excited we've opened it up nationally and we're very excited to get new stories about love but we were dropping the storytellers title okay. and it's just going to be true stories about love are, are these are these stories that you chose that, that would work in front of an audience as well are I mean are, are you choosing are you choosing shorter shorter stories that have that have that that verbal quality or does that even enter into your algorithm? That doesn't even factor in. Okay. We never think about how this would be on stage. Our okay. our goal is how it looks on the page, how uh -huh. it reads on the page. And a good story is a good story. You can read a good story yeah. in front of people and it it does not lose anything. But we chose, I think, the probably the most emotionally evocative stories mm -hmm. um, for a reason that Judy and I really wanted to create feelings um, among the readers. And so uh, these were the strongest stories, both in terms of the content, the writing, but also in terms of being emotionally evocative as well. Are, are you looking for a, a defined story arc or does that, is that part of um, part of your your choosing it it can help it mm -hmm. doesn't have to be I mean a lot of the stronger stories do use them 
Mm -hmm. um, because again, it sort of fits with that. Here's my issue problem. Here's my, here's what's happening. And here's the resolution. Mm -hmm. um, but not always it's um, not, not every single one has that, but most of them do. It's how it makes us feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's how we reacted to it. If you felt that you learned something about love, and, and our goal was that you would learn something about love uh -huh. after reading all of these stories, that you would have a different view of love, um, you know, ultimately, then we've done our job. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna appeal to the uh, to the comic uh, in the room here. There's there's a little <laughs> there's a little bit <laughs> of a difference between a story arc and and the construction of a joke with with the payoff. Um, is is that part of what you what your your radar is up and looking for in these stories as well? Are you looking are you looking for for something that can either make you laugh or is structured like a like a joke or a? No, no, not necessarily. Okay. We're not necessarily looking for something that makes us laugh. If it makes us laugh, that's that's great. Um, but a funny story doesn't necessarily have a, an, is not usually set up like a, a joke you would tell on mm -hmm. stage mm -hmm. It's for an open mic. It's just, um, it's just different. I mean, we had, Deb Tatel was telling this wonderful story about how she met this boy at eight years old. Uh -huh. And then, you know, it, you know, she's, oh my, and then her parents moved and then she's 17 and her, she gets fixed up and it's him. And you think this is going to be the love of her life. And then she's like, you know, I could see him in a distance. He had greased back hair. And then he gets closer. No, it's greasy hair. <laughs> and then he kisses her and it was the worst kiss of her life. So, I mean, that wasn't a joke, but it was hysterical mm -hmm. because, you know, comedy, comedy is the unexpected. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. a rhythm thing, you know, so we're going along with this nice little rhythm and then she takes us in a new direction mm -hmm. and we're laughing. I, I want to drill down here a little bit more on, on mechanics. So what makes a good story or how you guys, uh, the experts here, what you view as a good story, first person or third person? Does, does, that, does that make a difference? We like first person because it, it does put you into the narrator's shoes and yeah. you feel like you're hearing it from them because these are true stories. Mm -hmm. We think that uh, the first person uh, pushes you kind of into that, you know, this happened to me um, type of narrative. So we prefer first person, but it isn't always used. Mm -hmm. um, it has, it's not in it, first person is not used in every single story, but we do tend to prefer it. Yeah. Past, present uh, or future tense. You know, um, we tend to like the past tense. Um, let me tell you a story. Yeah. And you know yeah. What happened? Um, but we've had present tense uh, submissions that have done fine. Uh, you know, I think we have a couple in there that are present tense. But uh, yeah, typically first person past, which is you know kind of let me sort of tell you tell you the story that you know it happened in the in the past. The way the way people would would speak to one another naturally. Correct. If they just met each other on the street. Right. Yeah. Let me tell you a story. Last week. Da 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 da. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes it's yeah, our choice. Uh huh. Because we get a story that's written in both present and past, and it goes back and forth and back and forth, and we're like, "Dude, you got to choose." <laughs> <laughs> it's all. It's all about. It's all about connecting with the audience. Yeah, sure. Or with, with the listener. Are there stories that don't work? Um, that just just don't work uh, structurally 
or fill it in? Yeah, so one of the stories that does not work that we do tend to get some submissions is a story that kind of is um, sort of a paying homage to a certain person mm -hmm. with lots of little sort of anecdotes here and there and lots of I love this person because of this and I love this person because of that. It's more of a kind of a, um, you know, sort of a, a verbal dump of all of your feelings about this person and some memories, but it doesn't uh -huh. really form a very good story and it's very hard to relate to it because you just don't get into it long enough to kind of get a sense for, you know, what's happening there. It's more of this person's writing for themselves and not for the reader. Right. It's like a eulogy story. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, that's basically, that's one of the things we do get submissions like that. I'm going to go into in a few minutes here about how you prepare uh, or don't prepare a, uh, a storyteller for, for a, a performance or a storytelling event but do you need a moral or a lesson in in a story no 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 i don't think so yeah i think a lot of times they're sometimes implied many fairy tales have them yeah. implied i would uh -huh. say um, many of our stories do have some point of view on things yeah yeah is it, is it a moral uh, is it a lesson maybe I mean, in one case we have a story of a woman who went to great ends to help her child uh yeah. and you know sh uh, her she basically oversaw her child and obtain a transplant of an organ and it's a very moving story very beautiful story i think that you know at the end of it you realize this is a person who went to great uh, lengths and realize how strong she is. Mm -hmm. Is there a moral imperative there? Not really, but does it tell you an awful lot about being a mom and going through very traumatic things with family members? Is, is there a danger of getting too getting too preachy and losing your audience with with a moral or a lesson? Uh, I would say if it feels preachy, then it stopped being a story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who spins a better yarn, men or women? And if we put it to a vote, I would. Uh, democratically, I would lose in, in this in this call. Do do men or women tell better stories? And and I'll uh, again, I'll I'll preface your answer by saying that women traditionally were uh, were the tribal storytellers for probably for thousands and and thousands of years. Who's better, men or women? I, I don't I I can't answer that. I yeah. know great men and women who tell stories. I think men and women tell different stories is what I would say. Um, How I, so? I think, uh, well, you know, you mentioned historically that women are the tribal storytellers. In fact, yeah. women were the purveyors of fairy tales. Mm -hmm. um, and fairy tales were, by the way, told to adult audiences. They were not intended for children. They were intended for other women, um, for a, an adult audience. and. Um, yeah, women, I mean, the, the grandmother goose, that is a, you know, an archetype of the woman who's sitting around telling people in the family stories. Um, I think women and men tell different types of stories, although, honestly, if you've been in the storytelling community long enough, you'll see that there's a lot of, but I do think in, in general, men tend to tell more amusing, funny anecdotes. Um, women tend to tell, I think, sometimes more of the personal and the, you know, the relationship type um, stories. 
And I think some people believe that men are funnier than women. We know that's not true, right, Judy? Men, men like exactly. the bread. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll, so, I'll make a confession here. Men like the bread. Yeah, yeah. So, but I would say, it, honestly, I've heard some really intimate, tearful stories coming out of men in the storytelling community. And if I hadn't known that was a man, I would have sworn that would be, you know, more of a female type story. But I think, you know, basically Judy's right not not no no gender has figured this one out exactly what does storytelling mean for for the author uh and and by storytelling I mean uh verbal storytelling is is there is there a uh, is there a cost benefit there to learning how to tell your story uh to an audience or before people well most of our authors are storytellers because mm -hmm. our, our goal original goal was to bring storytellers to the printed page and you know just take this thing they did on stage and make it last forever so um what was your question <laughs> <laughs> just how important it is or is it important that that an author learn how to tell their oh, story yes and now we're opening it up and it's it's not important to be a storyteller it's just okay. important for us to have great stories in these books okay and um since most of the authors are storytellers when we do a launch we uh -huh. can turn it into a show and have several people tell their story and it just it makes it nice it, it just gives it a nice little something to do something to see a reason to come out to our launches. So a functional illustration of everyone has a story. Yeah, so, I mean, the world is a little bifurcated, unfortunately. You know, we have a lot of writers who really don't do performance storytelling. We have a lot of performance storytellers who don't typically get their work onto the, the page and have never published anything before. Mm -hmm. And so what we're trying to do is bridge that gap, honestly. Um, we're trying to encourage storytellers to get their their work down on on paper, and we're also encouraging you know traditional writers like myself to get out and do storytelling. It is a totally different um, set of skills, um, and I, I came to it a little bit thinking, well, I know how to write, so I know how to tell a story on stage. Well, no, <laughs> not really. So luckily Judy's taught me a lot along the way. Um, but I'd say how important is it to be able to do performance storytelling? I agree with Judy, not that important. But I think it's kind of a, an important thing to think about is, you know, if you were reading this to a, somebody, what would their reaction be? I was at uh, I was at one of your events and the storytellers were uh, were just exceptional. They all told their stories with complete passion they were entertaining they were fun to watch and listen to do you prepare or work with work with storytellers no we don't prepare them we encourage them and give them some guidance but okay. they are on their own and that's part of the storytelling culture that we come from which is the belief that um, everyone has a story to tell and we value everyone uh, equally that could go disastrously wrong for someone who gets up there and freezes. We've, well, we've all we usually had, know yeah. them. We know okay. them. We, okay. we knew them all. We've seen most of them tell stories. Okay. Yeah, like I said, in our first couple of books, it was the majority were storytellers. Yeah. yeah. So we knew, you know, just give them a spotlight and, you know, they're good to go. 
But as we branch out to include more traditional writers, um, it'll be something to think about is how do we have, you know, coach them through that process so it's not so scary, but it's, yeah. it's a good question. Yeah. It's, it's terrifying and, and exhilarating, isn't it? No, absolutely. There's no question. Is, uh, is storytelling easier or simpler uh, or, or more difficult than um, stand-up comedy? I think it's easier. Yeah. Because in stand-up comedy, there's a pressure to joke, 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 you know, get to the joke. But in storytelling, nobody's expecting you to be funny. So you can you really have this nice long setup and, mm -hmm. you know, get that long laugh and, you know, okay, that's all I needed. Even though there's a little insulation between, uh, between the jokes in the audience and with a, with a story, you're, you're laying out perhaps your deepest thoughts. You're, you're telling a story. And I've had yeah, people yeah. say to me, you know, sometimes to, you know, dial it back a little bit. You, we want to hear your story. We uh -huh. don't need this, you know, uh -huh. you perform. What advice would you give to somebody who's on the fence about, about telling their story? And Telling their story live or submitting? Telling their story live, live or submitting oh. it. Let's go with uh, telling the story live. I would say that um, if you're not sure about it, you can go to the many open mics that are in the, uh, uh, there are many in Chicago, for example, mm -hmm. um, and try out the material in front of a very uh, understanding audience. That's you know how I got a lot of my storytelling experience was just going to open mics and trying out a story and seeing you know, this one landed and this one didn't, and this kind of was worked and this one didn't. Um, but like with anything, I just think get out and do it. I mean, that's the only advice I ever have for whatever it is, just, you know, sit down and write. If you want to write a story, sit down and write it and, you know, get just, and then submit it and get feedback on it. And same with storytelling. Judy, uh, I, I did stand up comedy back in the eighties, wow. long, long time ago. And the best advice I was given was by Ted Holm, who was on the Tonight Show, and uh, and he he said, record yourself. This was back back when we had tape recorders. But he said, record yourself and do it in front of the mirror as a stand-up comic. What what is your advice on preparing for storytelling? Well, I learned, and this is just me. I you know most people just have points that they're going to hit, and yeah. you know they just do it free form. I write something specifically i hone it specifically and i memorize it and i don't deviate mm -hmm. which is i don't know it works for me you know I, I find those beats and um something happens to me when i'm in front of an audience all of a sudden and that then i have to be prepared because this thing happens to me where I'm with the audience and I'm feeling it. And, you know, so I'll still talk to them or I'll give a look. Yeah. Cause a lot of times it's just not in the delivery. It's the, you know, it's, it's a look I'm giving. <laughs> so hard All to right. be funny. <laughs> so you guys coming up with a, uh, with a, a volume two true stories about love. Mm -hmm. Yes. It'll be out for Valentine's day. Next wow. Year. Wow. Have you amassed all the stories yet? Or are you still? We are in the process. We have a, nice. a, a submittable uh, account that you can submit to if you're interested. And uh, yeah, we are starting to get submissions now. Yeah, you will, can go to uh, our website, uh, which is chicagostorypress.com. And on the submissions page, mm -hmm. 
is a guideline, there are guidelines on how to submit at the very bottom, you click on submittable and you can submit a story. We'd love Excellent. that. Uh, we, we, we will post that in the notes. Fabulous. Thank you. Anne Beal and Judy Goshen are the publishers of Chicago Story Press. Their latest book is a collection of short stories. They're showing it right now. Uh, their latest book is a collection of stories expanding upon the concepts of love titled Storytellers, True Stories About Love, a wonderful, wonderful compendium. ChicagoStoryPress.com is the website. Also, AnnBeal.com, and we'll post all those and the submission link in the notes below. You guys were fabulous. So were you. Yes. I'm just keeping up with the smart people in the room here. <laughs> But absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you lovely. so much. Now is the time to join Chicago Writers Association. It's open to writers and authors anywhere in the world. Unlock a wealth of writer and author resources, programs, and benefits for just $25 per year by visiting chicagorights.org or click on the link in the notes below. Chicago Writers Association membership, by the way, makes a great gift. You've been listening to Chicago Writes, a podcast of the Chicago Writers Association. I'm your host, W.C. Turk. Links to our featured guests are in the notes below, as well as links to the Chicago Writers Association. Until next time, support this podcast by simply clicking the subscribe button to receive notification about all of our upcoming episodes, upcoming events, and programs from the Chicago Writers Association, chicagorights.org. Our theme song, Midnight Ride, is courtesy of Dino Lovchich. Find Dino's music on YouTube and on Spotify. Spotify.